0: What's up fight fan you are listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts i'm gabriel you can find me on social media at G on tv and i am joined by my wonderful co-host natalie hey gabriel
1: how are you doing
0: i am good how are you i heard from a little birdie you might have had a little cold
1: are you doing better dude? dude i'm doing better but i still you can probably hear it i'm still a little uh a little you know under the weather i think i shook one too many hands at the uh, one championship workout last week and uh yeah. i think i caught something <laughs> you know what you become a
0: fist bump kind of person at these things that's the trick i learned after-
1: yeah i really it- i was
0: No, well, you know what? Look, I got the perfect remedy. It is Wednesday, March 6, 2019. And to get you better, we're going to have a picogram of MMA and discussion. So let's get right into it. We are coming off a big event on Saturday, UFC 235. Two title fights, so a lot to get into. Let's just talk about the main event. John Jones, Anthony Smith, Natalie, at the end of the day, very dominant performance by Jones. That didn't surprise people. I think to me, though, the thing that stood out, it got very repetitive. John, he'd land a lot of kicks, but there was never a big dramatic moment. He never got a big knockdown. He never got that big shot. We'll talk about the the illegal knee in a minute, but in terms of just the fight as a whole – it really was just all systems go for John Jones. And really, I was surprised that Anthony Smith at a certain point didn't go for more. I really feel like he wasn't in big danger, that if I were Anthony Smith at a certain point, I would have just, you know, be willing to take a shot to land one. And it seemed like he just became very passive <clears throat> as the fight went on. What was your evaluation of the fight?
1: Yeah, very similar. I thought first it was it was not what I expected. I think not what most people expected. I predicted Jones would finish Smith, I think in round 2. It was just kind of a methodical fight for from both guys, but I do think that Smith sort of ran out of ideas by round 3. He tried everything he he trained and never yeah, it never occurred to him to just go berserker, maybe go in for the kill just to try something new. So it was a little bit of a stagnant fight. Um, but yeah, Jones ultimately dominated Smith. And, um, you know, I think the good news is that Jones didn't probably didn't get hurt by much of anything. Yep. So I expect he'll be back to defend his title in July. And that's good news. Otherwise, you know, it was kind of a weird pay-per-view.
0: Uh, I agree with you, and uh, I definitely want to bring that up when we're when we get to the end of it. But yeah, that was the thing to me. Um, Anthony Smith had a great start in the first round. He was doing a lot of technical things. That it's like, yes, this is how you do it. If you're not going to knock him out, you know, with a big shot, you're going to have to put a lot of things together. And I read something that I think uh, you know not enough people talk about, but they said. Do people not realize how that how many hits you're going to have to take if you're going to thoroughly beat John Jones in a 25 minute fight? And I really agree with that. I think that if you are Anthony Smith, you're going to have to eat a few to come forward and I feel like he just started to you know, he felt like he needed to stay at a distance and maybe the opening would present itself and I just don't think that's ever going to happen with a guy as good as John Jones. Until, you know, he gets hurt or father time slows him down a little bit. And I think that's just a big point. And you said it perfectly. It looked like Anthony Smith just ran out of ideas to try to close the distance and make something happen for himself. So very interesting. Um, The illegal knee. Uh, Very bluntly, Anthony Smith let John Jones off the hook. He could have been a champion. He could have... I read something that after when you consider if they did a rematch and pay-per-view points and then a win bonus that Anthony Smith probably gave up about close to a million dollars before taxes and everything, had he you know said he was done and took the DQ win. I think that that shows the class of Anthony Smith, which doesn't surprise people. I think that it says something about the sportsmanship. I am going to point out that while the hit was bad... I do think that Anthony Smith wasn't, you know, wasn't stopped. And if you really ask him, he would have kept going had it been a regular fight. So I do want to point that out. But he let John Jones off the hook in that one. What did you think of that?
1: Yeah, he he certainly did. But I I think for me, the biggest takeaway was, you know, it seems unfair that the fighter has to be the one to make the call because, you know, he was it was an illegal move like that should just be the end uh and i i i I do understand why everyone's saying that they respect anthony smith for not taking the dq win but it just seems unfair like he he was the victim of an illegal knee from a really you know deadly fighter with precision strikes and you know it sucks that 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 it sucks that, that he had to be the one to make the call. I know those are the rules, and it's also from, you know, city to city with commissions. Um, But yeah, of course, if he had decided to take the belt that way, it, it would have hurt his stock uh, in the UFC forever, and who knows how John Jones would have reacted. Um, But, you know, honestly, he was losing anyway, so, I don't know. It was weird to me. <laughs> No, I, I, that's a
0: completely valid point. and um, I do believe that that's why Herb Dean didn't hesitate to take two points away because he almost looked at John like, John, I want you to know, he's the reason you're not uh, losing this one, you know, in yeah. and yeah, everybody knows who, who John Jones is the ref isn't, you know, like some, you know, casual, he knows exactly what just happened. And that's why, you know, I think he didn't feel like letting John off the hook in that moment. But um, Look, it's it, it like you said it, it's a tough one. I think that that's something for review definitely, but um I think also it goes back to the spirit of the competition is that hey, you know, that happened. Do I think that John Jones was going for it? I thought he'd honestly I thought he pulled the trigger early. Yes, by definition that was an illegal shot and if there's consequences, you got to take them like the professional you are. But I think that he thought Anthony Smith was on his way up and that's and he just fired the knee probably a second too early. Yeah. Now, once again, that's still illegal. But I don't think that John Jones saw him and was like, you know what, you know, thought it's something malicious like, you know what, forget this. I'm tired of you. You're not going away the, you know, within the rules. I'm going to bend them a little bit to get you out of here. I don't think that happened at all. So but yeah, he got let off the hook. He really did get let off the hook. In Absolutely.
1: That
0: one. Moving on, Tiago Santos looks like he's going to be next. Um, I've been I listened to John Jones a lot during the week, and he said a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I think people just want me to go up to heavyweight because they want to see me get hurt. You know, those guys are a lot bigger than me. Uh, I mean, I, I'll put it bluntly. I think if you're John Jones and you're talking about the legacy fight trying to become a two-division champ or something is what you have to do. I don't think that you can, you know, threaten Cain Velasquez with it and then come out and say that. I think that that causes a bit of a rift in terms of your self-promotion. So I think he's got to really pick one statement and stick to it. He can't be wishy-washy about it because really, look, Tiago Santos is exciting. That's a great fight. I want to see Cormier three. I want to see maybe him fight Stipe, him fight a Cain Velasquez. Prove just how great you can really be. But if you're saying you're going to commit to 205, you can't be calling out Kane Velasquez on his Instagram. So that to me is my only issue with it. It looks like he's committed to 205. Dana White is committed to the Tiago Santos fight. That's exciting. I think that it provides similar to the anthony smith fight it's going to be a real power striker a real brawler trying to you know get in the face of john jones but you know it's still a good fight and i think at 205 it's the one that makes the most sense
1: yeah absolutely 100% that it's got to be santos that's that's who's at the top of the list of at 205 you know if for whatever reason santos can't make it to the uh to the bout I would love to see Johnny Walker. I know he's low on the rankings in comparison to someone like Corey Anderson, who I think at seventh, but that would be fun. But anyway, uh, sticking to to the topic. Yeah. Santos should be the number one guy for Jones should be the guy for Jones next. Um, we talked about this. I think one of the, in one of our previous um, podcasts, I still don't want to see DC Jones three. I think, you know, Jones beat him twice. That's it. I also don't really want to see Jones move up to heavyweight, even though he did, you know, call out Kane. He's just toying with us as he tends to do. I don't really like the guy, but I'm actually appreciating that he wants to just stay in the division and clean it out. So that would be nice for a change. I, I don't I kinda disagree a little bit with if you want to prove that you're the best you have to go up a division. Um, you know, I know that's popular right now, but I think you can still be the best and just, just stay in your own weight class. Can he move up? Yeah, he's got the build. He's got the frame for it. Would it be exciting? Yeah, absolutely. But mostly I just want to see him work 205. Okay.
0: No, I, I, I'm with it. I definitely get that. I think that um the biggest thing for me is that he's doing all the right things. You know, he's talking about staying active. He wants the four fights this year. Uh, it's looking like he will fight 4th of July and Santos, and I'm sure that that's going to be a big one. Let me throw one more hypothetical before we get to welterweight action. Jones is healthy for July. DC is healthy for July. DC fights Brock. Jones fights Santos. Who's the main event? Oh, Brock. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I, know, Brock. Right?
1: I think it's actually Brock. No matter who Brock is fighting, I think he's the main event.
0: And you think that DC carries that cloud over John that they would make that one?
1: I think only because it's Brock. Like, if let's just pretend it was Brock Jones and DC somebody else. I think no matter who Brock is fighting, that's going to be the number one spot. So in okay. this case, in this case, DC gets it, but as just as like as consequence, a matter of consequence.
0: Uh, can you imagine they put DC and John on the same Dude. press conference but they're not fighting each but other. But they're not
1: fighting each other. I bet you 100% that the Cole press conference would just be them shouting at each other. Yeah, even though they're not fighting. That would be an incredible July m- pay-per-view if they managed to do that. That would
0: be crazy. It would be epic. Um, Dude, I don't totally. know if they I don't know if they'd do it because then they'd feel like no, we gotta headline a bunch more pay-per-views. We can't burn them both on one card unless yeah. Since the UFC
1: is so desperate to have a championship fight at every pay-per-view, yeah, you're right. They might not want to burn two uh, in one uh, in one event.
0: But stranger things have happened.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, two two interim (laughs) two interim belts uh, on one pay-per-view. That's that's pretty strange.
0: That's coming up. So, yeah, a lot of fun stuff to speculate. Um, I think we're, I feel like we're going to hear about the 4th of July soon. I can't see us hearing about it after, like, mid-April. I feel like by that time, you really have to get everything locked in. So, I expect us to hear about that soon. And I do think they're waiting to see where DC is at, to be honest. Moving on to welterweight action. Tyron Woodley versus Kamaru Usman. Natalie, I did not think Kamaru would be able to shut him down so thoroughly once again methodical is a great word it was very just lather rinse repeat but let's say it like it is Kamaru shut down Tyron Tyron didn't have anything for him on the ground Tyron it seemed like he just started to wilt away he wasn't throwing anything it looked like he was just content to kind of minimize the damage rather than get his own offense going and that was the story of the fight Kamaru had that big surge late in the fourth where it looked like he might get him out of there, but Tyron goes to the bell, but Kamaru is the new welterweight champion. What were your thoughts on the
1: fight? Dude, I feel for Tyron Woodley. I told you after last week, after Wood, I told you last week after Woodley beat Till, I would never bet against Woodley. He, you know, he, he, I saw in him someone who, you know, has no quit, has a plan for every style of opponent. It was really hard for me to watch him get out-muscled, out-hustled by Usman. There were times in there, especially the last two rounds, where it looked like he wanted to cry. Like, his face was so crestfallen. His eyes were blank. He just didn't know how to access the part of his brain that told him what to do. Like, he couldn't even get into the into the room where, like, the, 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 the program was. It was so weird. Um, he knew he was losing the belt, like, minute by minute. There was nothing he could do. It wasn't, as you said, it wasn't a thrilling fight. It was methodical, but Usman was truly dominant. Um, I was stunned. I was stunned. And it was like the kind of the kind of stun that just like is drawn out very painfully through five rounds, you know, and every time he (laughs) went to the corner and Dean Thomas and um, Duke Rufus were talking to him like, come on, man, throw your hands. Don't lose your belt this way. Like getting more and more desperate with each bit of uh, corner advice. I thought it's going to, it's going to work. It's going to click. One of these messages is going to get through and he's going to come out and start swinging, but never happened.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like to say they gave him the Friday night lights, you know, corner yeah. talk <laughs> to, you know, energize him. Like, you know, like get, come on, let's, we got to go now, you know? and that that was really disappointing um once he he said it was a weird fight he gave credit to kamaru but yeah i think at a certain point i was like tyron even if he takes you down and you got to hold him there and defend just just let the hands go just swing big something and when it didn't happen you know that's where it was like you know this guy just he he isn't there and um I don't want to use the word afraid, but he was definitely just so lost in there against Kamaru. I think that's the only way for me to put it. And um, Look, we know how good he is and I think that the next fight will tell a lot about where Tyron is at, but that one, you know, I don't know who they'll match him up with. Santiago Ponzinibbio stands out, but if you're talking about getting back to the title, I definitely don't think immediate rematch, so Tyron has work to do. That's for sure. And um, I'm sure they'll give him a top contender by the end of the year. Tyron, he, I mean, it was a beating, but he didn't get badly hurt. He doesn't look too busted up. So I don't see him unless there's something we don't know. I see him coming back probably by around the fall Um, for Kamaru Usman. It looks like Colby Covington got the job done. So here's something, you know, because we haven't talked about it yet. I personally don't talk about Colby much on the show because I feel like he crosses the line and he's doing it to get attention. And I just don't believe in encouraging bad behavior. However, when he is the one who's next up and when he is there, I do know where he's at. I do know what kind of figure he is in the sport. And I'm going to say this. He scored a home run during fight week. He got himself there. He made himself part of the conversation again. And to be honest, I'm excited to watch him fight Kamar Usman. I think that this is going to be a big fight later this year. What are your thoughts on the future?
1: Yeah, you know what? Man, I cannot stand Colby Covington. I I, um, I kind of resented the media a little bit for covering him so, like, exuberantly last week. He was clowning around in Vegas uninvited. I resented even more that his tactics worked. You know, he's, he's basically, Dana said as much, he's got the fight, right, with Usman? Yep. But what? hey, whatever. It is what it is, right? Yeah. He he acted the clown, and it, it, it paid off for him. So I still think this was going to eat him alive. The front. It's just to really put on a good fight is knowing that all the all the garbage he's talked like, if he loses. He's going to be the boy who cried wolf. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on him to really show up against Usman, who is probably riding that it's going to be really like extra difficult. It would have been harder. It would have been hard enough if they had just fought without a belt on the line. But Usman just out muscled Woodley, and now he's going to fight this clown. Colby really better get his stuff together. This is going to be the toughest fight of his life.
0: Uh, I agree. Colby, uh, um, you know, it's not like he's just a mouth. He has some skills. He's um, he's well-rounded. He's well-conditioned. He fights at a great pace. I just feel like, you know, and mind you, I did say this about Tyron, about Kamaru, so I got to take it with a grain of salt. I think that anything Colby uh, can do, Kamaru does do better, and he has the credentials. I think that he's more powerful. I think that, you know... When I talk about Colby, I think the biggest thing is I'm, you know, what I've heard on the DL is that, you know, he lets his persona go. He's not, you know, unless he's actually talking in person, he's not necessarily the Pied Piper, you know, that we think he is behind the scenes. And I think that, you know, very bluntly, when he started doing this to get attention and make money, which I get it, you only got a few years in your prime to be a pro athlete. He kind of kept feeding this beast that's now beyond his control. He can't be a normal guy anymore. People will be like, WTF, man. I want the, the guy that we hate, you know, that yeah. we love to hate. Yeah, Larry
1: the Cable Guy. Like, Larry the guy doesn't actually talk like that, but he has to always be on in public because...
0: Yeah, and, and so, you know, look, this is his bed. He's light in it, mind you. He can now afford silk sheets because of that, so power to him. You know, pay your bills, I guess, but like I said, I don't like to encourage bad behavior, and I do think he's gone too far on a lot of things in the past. Look, he's in the fight. I think that for fight week, he actually did a good job. He, you know, outside of being annoying, he made himself part of it, so that you know that worked i do see where you're coming from with the media and everything but this is part of the story and he did a good job of injecting himself into that yeah that being said the fight you know it's gonna be what it is i see kamaru just being more powerful than colby for sure when you see how much bigger he was than tyron now imagine him against colby i feel like that says everything but like we just saw on Saturday, there's a reason we actually they fight the fights. They don't just you know decide them on paper. So, a lot to be seen. But I think just on promotion, it's gonna be on. I would I could see it being the co-main at the Fourth of July, also to be honest, just for the talk. But I don't know. It could also headline its own pay-per-view, uh, probably early fall. That's uh, my estimation. Okay. If it's not a co-main, then it's gonna be on like the August or September pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, it's definitely coming. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Moving on to the next one. Ben Askren Robbie Lawler uh, flat out. Was uh, Robbie Lawler out?
1: Okay. The first time I watched it live to me, I was shouted at the TV. His arm is limp. He's out. So, then you yep. watch the replays a hundred times and you're like, oh, maybe he wasn't. Honestly, I, I don't think he was ultimately out. I think he was letting his arm drop to help him relax so he could calmly find a way out of the choke. And, you know, Robbie Lawler is not a bser. so the way he stood up and reacted to Herb Dean, I take him at his word he wouldn't just be pretending to be outraged. I think he, you know, it was it was legitimate. Yeah. I also respected the way, I don't know if you saw the thrill and the, what's it called, the thrill and the agony that the UFC put Yeah. Out. I mean, that's incredible. You see him getting so mad at Herb Dean, and then a split second later, stopping himself, taking a, taking a breath and saying, it's okay, man, I, you know, I understand you're a good ref. Like, that's a, that's a stand-up human being. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so at the end of the day, I, I guess he was not out, unfortunately. It was an exciting fight up until then, and so it's a real bummer that that's how it ended. Yeah, I've
0: heard people talk about, well, if you're conscious, you don't let your arm just go limp like that randomly in a cage fight. Um, to me, the real tell herb Dean did grab his arm. I don't know how much tension herb felt, but the fact that Robbie Lawler's arm stays up, and I do see the thumbs up, kind of says seals the deal for me that it was just, you know, it, look, it was a it, it was a, herb Dean made a call that just happened to be the wrong one. It, he's an experienced ref, and you know, this is the heat of battle and we, he, we know how Ben Askren is on the ground and his squeeze and his ability to choke people out. And look, Herb Dean made a call. It was the wrong one. And I think that it was classy by Herb and Ben and uh, Robbie in terms of this one. I know Ben is ho- standing by his victory. I mean, what are you supposed to do, I guess, if you're Ben? But, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't called for a rematch with Robbie. I think that says a lot. I thought... You know, the big storyline, you know, what would it have been like if Ben had fought in the UFC? I feel like Robbie Lawler, like the second he just dropped him and did the damage, it was like, oh, that's what would have happened. I feel yeah. like that was the story that we saw playing out. And so I thought that Ben might have gone out. It was very close. I think it was similar to the Valentina Priscilla fight that everyone t- uh, criticized last year. Ben was taking damage. Every time, though, he would show that he was kind of still there. So he he just wasn't hit with that extra shot that said, D- stop it immediately. He was badly hurt. He was losing. He was not out. And I think that that's the benefit that Herb Dean gave him. That being said, you know, very tough. Obviously, a lot of heart to try to get back to work and get it to the ground. But that was a Robbie Lawler fight. No two ways about it leading up to it.
1: Yeah, I mean... It is kind of crazy that Herb Dean gave Astrian the benefit, but he didn't give it to Robbie. Because yeah. Astrian did look like he was like it looked like the fight was done. But you know, I was shouting at the TV at that point. I was like, he's out, he's done. I thought they were gonna call it. He was just getting clocked in the face with his with his wrist pinned down. I'm I'm amazed that he survived that. Robbie was out for blood. He looked terrifying. Yeah. It was really scary. Like him before even the fight started, him standing against the cage just breathing and you could just see him <laughs> exhaling through his mouth over and over again. It's like this man is here to murder. And he almost did. So, yeah, it was definitely a controversial back and forth um from, you know, Robbie not punching Asker in and Askren choking out Robbie and then Herb Dean stuck in the middle of it. Um yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to give Robbie a rematch on principle because he looked so good and he was clearly winning up until that moment. But I also want to just keep the division moving along, and so I think and a, a rematch at some point would be nice, but I don't think I need to see it right away.
0: Me too. I think the division is more interesting with both of them fighting other people. I think Robbie should treat it as a win. I think Ben should treat it as a lateral move. I don't know if I'd call it a victory, but I don't think his stock went down because of the circumstances, so I'm going to give him that pass on this one, but yeah, I don't think it hurt both men at the end of the day because of the way it went down. Um, on a side note, I actually tweeted out, I felt the same thing, like, as Robbie was at the checkpoint and the ref is checking him out, I was. I said, he looks like he's calling the demon to possess him for a few <laughs> minutes for this fight. Yep. That's that was a scary dude when you watched him getting ready for that on tv and i think yeah, that dude. said a lot about how he came out it was crazy he was summoning no.
1: some dark spirits and then but then to see the, the 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 counter of that is how how like you know how gentlemanly he was towards her dean it's just like what a human being like what a what a unique individual he is
0: no, I definitely get that. I, I think it's just, it was a tough moment. It was just a tough moment. Yeah. But no, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think it'll, like I said, both of them didn't lose any stock going forward in that one. Yes, no. that's, that's the big thing. Um, There was a lot of other fun stuff that happened. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz, Um, that was uh, quite the finish. Zabit was workmanlike over Jeremy Stevens. Diego Sanchez turned back the clock. Wailing Zhang. Uh, really did a good job against Tisha Torres, even though that one wasn't a fun one. Um, is there anything that stood out to you before we just recap and move on?
1: Yeah, dude, just real quick. So, so yeah, um, Diego Sanchez, what an incredible win! That was yeah. unbelievably exciting. Mickey Gall just punched himself out. I guess we found out later that he had passed out trying to cut weight, but you know, he you just got outdone. He just got outclassed by a veteran. Yeah, is is the end of the is the story there? Um, Cody Garbrandt really gosh god almighty that he's fighting so emotionally i don't know what else to say about that i mean uh pedro has the the bigger bill Like you could just see his shoulders his back his thighs his calves so much bigger that if you're just standing there going punch for punch yeah there's no way you're going to be able to to survive being hit by someone that much thicker than you are yeah um, so so you know i don't know what he's got going on in his head there but he For his sake of his own career, I think he should just chill out a little bit or, you know, do some like mind training outside of the cage so he can really be prepared for moments like that Um, because he's looking, you know, he's in a bad place right now. It's like Holly Holm lost three in a row. Um, He's there, too. There's somebody else that after being champion lost three in a row. And it's like it's a hard climb back. I don't know how you how you psychologically, you know, that's that's the harder battle now that he's facing. So good luck to him um and then uh tisha torres she's she's so talented but i really wish they had an adam weight division you know yep. for her for michelle Waterson, for carlos Barza. that that would just be so much better for them just so they could really show off how skilled they are as martial artists
0: yeah and, and you know people talk about well the weight cut and all that i just that's such a tough one i mean if you look at tisha she's you know she's very short. You know, respectfully, she's a great athlete, a wonderful individual. Um, we see on TV, but yeah, she's just she, she kind of has to bulk up a little bit to be strong at one fifteen. And uh, we've seen her against Rose and Joanna. How much size and length and height that she gives up? That that's always a tough battle. She always has to fight perfect. Um. That's the thing about her. I think you can't take away from wailing because Keisha is such a talented martial artist that, you know, she really did have to be on point for that fight. Uh, Going back to Cody, the thing about that finish, I loved how exciting it was. I feel like Cody was just... It was like, imagine, like, music. He just kept hitting the wrong beat. Every time he was about to throw... Pedro was ready and each exchange, Pedro was the one getting closer to the chin. And I'm like, Cody, one second later, you know, make him open up because he was getting him with a few good ones. But Pedro just was like, I know when you're going to throw it and I know when I'm going to get you that he was in control of that entire dance for that final, you know, blitz. And that's what was crazy. Look, I love Cody, but you got to give credit to Pedro, you know. Cody decided he wanted a bang and Pedro stepped up. I think that he definitely moves up in this division. I've heard people say Peter Yan. I've heard people say uh, Aljamain Sterling. I think all of those are good fights. So it was definitely just quite an interesting night. Um, I, you said this. It was a weird pay-per-view. The thing to me is that after the Cody fight, everything kind of went downhill. Yeah. Uh, Tisha Whaling... It was a great performance from Wei Ling, but it was very slow. There was no knockdown. There were a few throws. It wasn't the most dramatic fight. And I think that's what really, you know, that they, they all started feeling one-sided. The Robbie-Ben fight, after, you know, Robbie recovered, I think it took the wind out of the sails, the controversy. Yeah. And then we had two very methodical fights at the top of the card that the pacing, it was hard to, you know, like, man, I'm pumped up. I'm ready for the next one. It's kind of like, oh, you know, the air just got let out of the building too often, I think, in these. And I think that really conveyed on TV.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was like the air was getting let out. Like not, you know, when you let go of a balloon and it like whizzes around the room. This one was like painfully slow. It was even yeah. worse.
0: No, so it was it was a weird night. Um, I think the fight week uh, was great, but I think just the night, you know. This is how they play out sometimes. Yeah, but look, sometimes it's, you don't know. Yeah, but it was two good performances from John and Kamaru. They did work, and you can't knock them for that either. But we will move on. Obviously, there's still a lot of fights to talk about. Not too much in the way of news, but there were a few things announced. The first one, Jose Aldo coming back. He's going to be taking on Alexander Volkanovsky at UFC 237 on May 11th obviously Aldo has bounced back well he beat Jeremy Stevens and Hinato Moicano since losing to Max Holloway Volkanovski is on a 16 fight win streak and coming off that big win over Chad Mendes in December Natalie how do you feel about Aldo taking this fight as the second to last of his MMA career
1: Dude you know what I'm super excited about this fight like Volkanovski had an impressive win over Chad Mendes but it was competitive like I went back to rewatch it And it was competitive, which is actually why I was surprised when Mendez retired after that But, But it was a good fight. He showed he had the killer instinct at the end. Like, once he went in for it, he was hurting him with real bombs. Uh, But Aldo's looked amazing in his last two bouts. I mean, the way he he ripped through Stevens, through Moicano, like a hurricane. I'm super excited about this. I think he's going to do the same to Volkanovsky. I think he's just going to out class and out muscle him but it's still gonna be exciting
0: yeah I think that um look you gotta acknowledge the Conor McGregor fight is what it is Max Holloway is Max Holloway yeah I mean I don't care that he says he's retiring this year this year Jose Aldo is just a guy that is hard to pick against um and he really has shown why uh to me if this is honestly it I would want him to take on a bigger name guy because I feel like if it's going to be the end of Aldo, let's just give him that, you know, nice big career finale. You know, don't make it be like this, you know? Like, no offense, but Alexander, fight Brian Ortega. Fight somebody else who's still got some years in this game because I feel like Jose Aldo, if he's not going to fight for the title, I'd rather see him in a showcase fight. Hmm. But look, on paper, you know, just fighter to fighter, take the star power out of it. This is a fun matchup. I think both of them are going to bring it. Jose Aldo is who he is. Volkanovski is definitely trying to pull off the upset and prove that he could be ready for Max, you know, probably early 2020 with a win. So I think that all of that makes for a very exciting matchup. Just both of them come forward. uh, Volkanovski a little shorter. I think that's going to be a key factor is that, unlike uh, some of the guys lately, Uh, he's really going to have to work to get close to Jose. I think that could be a big key, but he's got the abilities. I think this is the big test that he's been wanting, and I think that he's the kind of guy who's going to rise to that occasion and perform well against Aldo.
1: Yeah, he's a little bit shorter, but he has, I think, like a 1.5-inch reach advantage, which, you know, not a lot, but it's something. And Aldo definitely has experience with guys with longer reach. I think Boicano probably beat him on reach and obviously Holloway. Um, yeah, you know, if he's, he's got, you said he has two fights left. So this is one of two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think who would be more exciting. I guess Ortega, that would have been a heck of a fight, but Ortega's so big. Yeah. Um, and besides that, ah, uh, I don't know what, um, I don't know what, what, what's available for, uh, for Aldo for his last fight. It'd be interesting to see who they pick.
0: You know what? Give it to him. Conor McGregor 155. (laughs) You know what? It was at
1: the tip of my tongue, but I was like, should I say it? Nah. (laughs) Hey, always say it on this show. (laughs) Always say it. Yeah, that's a heck of a freaking rematch, dude. That would be incredible. I've been asking
0: for Max and Conor to run it back for a while now, too, if we're being honest. I keep wanting them to announce that it's happening and in Los Angeles for me. That is how bad I want that one. But look, uh, I think that's the fight. I mean, if you really respect Jose Aldo and what he did in this game. You give him that one back. The fight with Cowboy isn't happening. Come on, Dana White. Do it for the legend. But yeah, look, that's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be a good fight. And I like that Aldo is just like, look, no ifs, ands, or buts. You put me on these big Brazil cards. Let me fight for my people. I'm down for it. I'm good for it. So I think it's all a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. In other action, Chael Sonnen is coming back. He's going to be taking on former UFC champ Leota Machida. Obviously, both of them are in Bellator now. Not, No date or venue has announced, but they've essentially agreed to fight this summer. And it's going to be at 205. Both of them are better known for their work at 185, I think, in recent years. Um, Machida's coming off the victory over former champion Rafael Carvalho. And obviously, Chael is looking to bounce back from the loss to Fedor. Natalie, this is an d- interesting fight. I don't know if it's, on paper it's as competitive as people might want it to be, but I think that the history there is the real hook for this one. What are your thoughts on the matchup?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, a you know legend versus legend matchup, so the people just want to see these two guys in the cage against each other. I worry it could actually be a boring fight because of their, their styles being so different. Chael's going to just be going in for takedowns. Leo's gonna to try to keep some distance with his striking, but you never know. One of them might get might might get an advantage. Um, what I hope is that it's not just Chael taking Lioto down over and over again. But I love Lioto Machida so much. I love actually really like Chael Sonnen as well. I'm rooting for Machida on this one. I was actually in Hawaii for Bellator 213. and happened to be, be like by luck, staying at the same hotel where the fighters were staying. So I saw Lioto and Chinzo and his dad like at the gym just walking around living their life. It was very exciting. But um, yeah, I don't know. This, this is a a good on paper legends fight for Bellator. This is the kind of fights that they are really good at at putting together, like a nice co-main for a championship fight. Um, You know, the other is a faster striker. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. I just, like I said, I hope it's not boring because I like both of them and I really don't want Leoto to lose, but I also don't want Chael to lose. I mean, he just came off that loss to Fedor. I will say this. He took some big punches from Fedor and never went out. So, I don't know how Lyoto is going to fare. You know, how his strikes are going to do any better against Chael. So, it could be interesting. Yeah, for me,
0: uh, the speed on Machida and the power. I mean, people forget that it, he's still as dangerous as he always was. And I think the guys who have given Lyoto problems are those who more firepower or those with, um, th- you know, who are also multifaceted. They got good striking, good, good grappling. Chael possesses neither of those particular qualities. Not that he isn't <laughs> a tough guy, but is he a, you know, home run hitter on the feet? Absolutely not. Is he a great striker and great grappler? I'm going to just say bluntly, no. However, what makes Chael so dangerous is that no matter who he's up against, he kind of brings out new wrinkles in his game. He does, you know, have competent striking. He's not, you know, the most technical guy, but he knows how to get in and out. He knows how to move. you got to give him credit there. I think that he is going to be well prepared. I think the thing for me is when he gets into it, if he doesn't get the first takedown, Can he really keep up with Lyoto Machida? Can he, you know, stay in his face or can Lyoto shrug him off and do damage on the outside? That, to me, is the big question. I know that Chael, when he was taking shots at everybody from Brazil, he mentioned Lyoto. I don't think there's any genuine heat there, but they're going to try to bring it up again, I think, just for the sake of selling this fight. I see it being a co event to somebody. But um, look, I, like you said, legend versus legend. Um, the final note is that we don't know what's going on with Gegard Musasi, but I feel like this booking says that they are going to try to still make the Lovato Jr. fight before a possible fight with Machida. So I think that's why Lyoto is electing to fight rather than possibly wait because he, we all expected Gegard to fight in January and then possibly be ready by early summer.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but look, it's a good one. I'm already waiting for the talk, so that one will get here, you know, sooner rather than later. It's already March, my favorite month, so <laughs> summer's right around the corner.
1: Yeah, Jill's so good, I mean, so good at, at just talking, period. And when it's against an opponent, it's even more exciting. So, let's see what he brings out of Lyoto, you know, on the microphone, will be interesting. But like Robbie Lawler. He's too nice.
0: Yeah. He's Talk just doesn't super, work.
1: <laughs> super respectful. He'll probably just chuckle and say, oh, you know, we'll see in the cage. I don't know. <laughs>
0: you know what I want to see him do? I want to see him invite Chael to watch The Karate Kid with him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. No, but uh, it'll be fun stuff. Now, to close out the show, the UFC is back in action this Saturday. At EOC Wichita, from the lovely state of Kansas, they have their big fight. Literally, Derek Lewis taking on former champion Junior Dos Santos. Derek's looking to rebound from that loss to Daniel Cormier in November. JDS coming off the big win over Tai Tuivasa in Australia. This one is fun um, for myself. I really think that JDS, this is the one that just really favors him. We've seen him fight the Ben Rothwells, Mark Hunt's, Ty. He knows how to fight these bigger, like just massively large brawlers, you know? I think that Derek doesn't, you know, I don't want to say more or less dangerous, but he kind of follows the same formula, so to speak, that a Mark Hunt or Ty was going to do those guys were trying to get in his face and JDS just got on the bike, used his his athleticism and his jab, his technique to get in and out and just cruise to a victory in both of those fights. I see that being the key. Obviously Derek Lewis is dangerous anytime he's right in front of you. So that's going to be a factor, but I see this being a JDS fight. What about you?
1: I'm actually a little bit on defense. Initially I thought it was going to be Derek Lewis because I, I agree. JDS is a really skilled boxer, good head movement, lots of experience. And yeah, he can dance around these bigger sort of lumbering heavyweights that just have like one punch power. But I still think about that fight with, um, I want to say Volkanovsky, but that's not the right name. Who's the Russian guy that Derek Lewis knocked out cold in like the last? Um, yeah, that guy. I still think about that fight and it's like, man, you know, I can totally see Derek Lewis pulling one of those again. Um, so it'll be interesting. I like, um, I like JDS's chances better than Derek Lewis's, but, but Derek Lewis is just one of those guys that can always pull out a you know, a rocky moment at the end of a fight and just knock you out cold. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. He's just one of those guys dangerous at all times, which I think, um, I think there's something to be said for that. It's just going to be such a close one. So uh, I, you said that, or, or I guess, uh, you know, what is your pick? I feel like you were on the fence on that one. I was Are on the gonna...
1: fence. In my notes, I actually have Derek Lewis, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch and I'm gonna say JDS.
0: Okay, okay, sounds good. I will give you a pass if you tell me that you picked Derek Lewis at the end of it if he's victorious on Monday. No okay? man,
1: it's 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 out there now. I'm sticking with JDS.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's. Stranger things have happened when we come <laughs> on this show, so I hear you. But look, that's going to be a fun one. Um, I think someone someone's going down. I think that either way, someone's going to sleep, which is just a very uh, it sounds sadistic, but it's a very exciting thought. But I'm looking forward to it. And then, of course, next week, we're going to be going back to London. Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal. Obviously, we're looking forward to some more stuff being announced by that time, hopefully. So we'll have all of that for you guys. Natalie, you sound like you're doing a lot better now that you've gotten to talk about some MMA. Where can the fans find you on social media to wish you well and to talk more MMA with you?
1: To the picograms and the uh, <laughs> the robotucin. I think they call it robo tripping. That's what I'm doing <laughs> right here. So um, yeah, I feel great. I feel great. I may not sound great. I'll have more energy next week. But they can find me cool. at Straight Puncher Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, shoot me some questions, some feedback. Happy to. Uh, happy. To-
0: That's right. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.